Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. So good. How's everyone doing? You're well? You look good. You're a good looking bunch of people up here in Brisbane. I grew up in Brisbane for 18 years and so uh, then the Lord saved me, took me to the promised land of, uh, I'm going to put a timer on here so I can honour time. Um, it is so, yeah, it is such a great honour for me to be here and uh, to share God's word with you and I'm going to share um, if you are taking notes, so I'm going to share around um, something I call the prophetic partnership. The prophetic partnership, if you're taking notes. Uh, first, I do want to honour your pastors, pastors Andrew and Rebecca. I was going to call her Beck and then I heard you say Rebecca. I was like, I better get this right. Um, but uh, I want to honour your pastors because it is a huge role to step in and to shepherd a church and a group of people, especially to pioneer and start a new church. So I would love for us to make some noise right now uh, to honour your pastors and their children and the sacrifice that they've made. And uh, I really felt like this over, over you and over this church uh, as I was praying for you, that this is going to be a church of unusual miracles. I really believe that. I believe God is going to break forth in this place. I see this ministry that you have over here as well. I'm like, God, they're just sowing incredible seeds into the kingdom of God. And uh, God says to you as a people, get ready. You're going to see incredible miracles break through in this, in this church and through these people. And that's a word for everyone here. When pastors get a word, it's actually a word over the church. It's to build faith and expectation that God is going to move in significant ways. And I saw you for you, Pastor Rebecca, I saw this wisdom that's actually over your life. I saw you're a woman of wisdom and a woman who knows how to uh, be still and know that He is God. And I feel like the Lord's about to bring a fresh touch on your life. And it's a touch of renewal and it's a touch of a fresh strength and it's a fresh like fire. And uh, I see that this is going to be something that's evident to all people around you, especially the people of this church. And they're just going to be like, oh my goodness, she's gotten a little bit fiery and she's a little bit stirred up. And uh, I see you praying for people and these miracles um, bursting forth in your life. I don't know if you've operated in that stuff before, but he says, get ready. I'd actually love to pray for you. Would you stand up? Is that okay? Lord, I thank you right now for this mighty woman of God. Lord, I thank you for uh, them as a married couple and for their children. And I ask right now, Holy Spirit, for a fresh touch over her life. Lord, a fresh baptism of your fire and your power right now. Lord, renewal in the name of Jesus, strengthening in the name of Jesus right now. Visions and dreams he's going to place on your heart, Beck. He's going he's to wake you up with this unction and this stirring. And I see it. I see you coming and prophesying into this church and praying over people and things breaking in their life, chains breaking and uh, the Spirit of God pouring out. So we come into agreement right, right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Also have um, one more word quickly um, over Georgia. And uh, just as I met you before, Georgia, I felt the Lord said He's going to put a, a fire and a vision in you for the generations. 
and he says he's going to raise you up to reach the generations. And all the seeds, I don't know your story, but the seeds of faith and the seeds of revival have been planted in you. And uh, the Bible says that you have everything you need to live this life of godliness, to, to fulfill the call that he's got on your life. And so I actually bought a jumper up today to give to uh, Pastor Andrew and Rebecca. And, and it was a um, jumper, just a bit of merch from a conference that I did called The Gathering. But on the back is a scripture, which is Isaiah 66, 18. It says, And I'll gather all nations and people together, and they will see my glory. And he's saying to you, get ready because he's going to put a vision in you. And I see you both actually working with teenagers. I don't know if there is a youth ministry here. Um, but I see you guys having such a burden for young people, the young people of this region and the young people of this city, um, because we need to carry a burden. So I want to give you this, Georgia, and I want to say God is on you. Get ready for him to work through your life in power. All right, a uh, little bit about myself. Um, I have been pastoring a church, like Andrew said, for the last 10 years in Tweed Heads, and I am a Queenslander by birth, so I'm a Maroon. That means I'm a missionary. Into the dark state of New South Wales, I'm a missionary. And I've, uh, I've gone to reach those people who are far from God. Um, and honestly, I just get blown away that I get to be a part of what God's doing in His church in that region and in the nation. And I count it my greatest honour and joy and privilege to pastor there. Um, photo of my family, if it's going to be on there. This is my family. That's my wife, Tara. Um, we've been married for 13 years this year. We have three children. My eldest boy, Kai. Um, Kai means ocean in Hawaiian. And my name, Lachlan, means warrior. So I've called him Ocean Warrior because I'm prophesying pro-surfing over his life. Uh, so Kai, then Lennox, is my second-born son. And then the little girl there is our foster girl. And uh, sh- her name is Storm. Is that the perfect name for a foster child? Storm. And uh, she has brought... We've had her for two and a half years and she has brought so much life uh, to our family. And I think I'm aging a lot quicker, but she's an incredible little girl and we are blessed to, uh, to sow into her life. So I got saved, uh, became a Christian 18 years ago this year, actually next month at Hillsong Conference in Sydney. And I grew up in a church in Brisbane. My mum uh, was a Christian my whole life. And so she took us to church as children every Sunday. When I was 10, my, my parents divorced and my dad moved to the Gold Coast and, um, you know, the brokenness of, of broken families is very difficult and that was something that I walked through. And so I kind of had two lives. I had my life in Brisbane where I went to a Christian school and I had to go to church on Sunday, but it wasn't real. The whole thing about God and this, this what, what I know now just wasn't real to me back then. And so I'd have that life and then I'd go down to the Gold Coast and I'd have a whole nother life where I got to try and experiment everything in life. And uh, it was kind of like I, I ran headlong after the world and everything that the world could offer, but I would always come up empty. I would always come up un- unsatisfied. And then when I was 18 or sorry, 19 years of age, some friends of mine invited me down to Hillsong Conference in Sydney. They're like, come down. And I'm like, why the heck do I want to go to Hillsong Conference? I'm not a Christian. I don't care about the things of God or the church. And they're like, come down. We'll go surfing, uh, skating around. 
Homebush Stadium where the conference is. It's going to be amazing. I'm like, all right, all right. So I went down there and this is what I know about God is he will ambush you. He will ambush you. And so I went there and I started to be in this atmosphere of 20,000 people worshipping and something started to open in my heart. Something started to soften in my life. And I, every time the preacher would get up, I'd get really awkward and I'd leave. And this conference went for four or five days. And on the last night, there was a woman by the name of Joyce Meyer preaching. I don't remember anything she talked about. All I remember her at the end of the message saying, God is after you. And you've been running from God. And now is your time. Do not let this moment slip away. Come down the front right now. And something happened. It was like a water bomb of joy and peace burst over my life. And I felt the presence of God wash over my body. And I'm with four or five friends and I just stood up and I just got and I just walked past them. And they're just like, what? what's going on? And I went down the front. There was hundreds of other people down the front. And I gave my life to Jesus 18 years ago and I've never looked back. And I've seen Jesus time and time again reveal himself in my life. And I don't know if there's someone here right now and you don't know Jesus and you're on the verge of taking this journey towards knowing Jesus. I pray today is that day. I pray you would open up your heart right now and he would speak to you. And after I made that decision that night, I walked straight out of the auditorium and there was this bookstore there, this makeshift bookstore. And I just happened to reach and grab this first book. And it was a book from an evangelist by the name of Reinhard Bonnke. Has anyone heard of the German evangelist? Reinhard. I actually got the privilege to go see his last ever crusade in Lagos, Nigeria in Africa in 2017. So cool. Hundreds, 700,000 people at one night event. And as I opened this, I saw these images of thousands and millions of people who were encountering God. To the point, time of his death, he had, he had seen 79 million people come to know Jesus. And something was birthed in me, which I believe the Holy Spirit was revealing to me. There is a call of evangelism on your life, Lachlan. And so ever since 18 years, I have had this passion to see people come to know Jesus. I'm passionate about evangelism. And now I've been pastoring a church for 10 years. And what I've realized is when there is a gift of the evangelist on your life, the actual gift of evangelism is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It's not just for me to be on the street or somewhere reaching people. It's actually for me to come to the church and say, this is how we win people to Jesus. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that today because I believe every Christian is called to be a witness of Jesus. You're called. It's not just the evangelist. It's every Christian. And I believe this. You will not know. Listen to this. You will not know the fullness of the call of God on your life and the joy of His kingdom until you walk in obedience of the mission. You won't know it. You won't experience it. Why? Because joy comes with obedience. This is what the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. He says this to us, the church. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. How amazing is that? How personal is God? He's like, I want this people to be my people, to be my people, holy, set apart, holy people for my possession. And this is why. 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Is there anyone here who has been called out of darkness into his marvelous light? Is there anyone? Raise your hand right now. If you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You've tasted the kingdom of darkness and and what it offers. And then you've tasted the kingdom of light. And you're like, oh my goodness. You are incredible, God. You are so worthy. I love these that worship and those songs we were singing and your story and your testimony of redemption. I'm like, come on. One thing you need to know about me, I get a little bit excited. I get a bit excited, so you just got to go with it. But we are a people who are called to proclaim His excellencies. That's why I get excited is because I know what it's like to be dead in sin. And now I know what it's like to be alive in Christ. And no one is going to shut me up. No one is going to shut me up. I am going to shout it from the rooftops because I know how empty that life is. And I know how joyful it is to know Jesus. So most people, when I share my stories, and I'm going to share some today, are like, oh, Locke, but you're just an evangelist. And I'm not like you. And I'm never going to do what you do. And I want to say that's a lie. That is a lie because personalities are not found in the Bible. God does not say you're an introvert or an extrovert. He says, I'm going to fill you with power and then you will be my witnesses. And so I'm pretty simple in my faith. I've never gone through like the spiritual gifts test and be like, oh, I'm an evangelist. I'm going to walk in that now. Now that I know, no, God just filled my life and touched my life. And since that moment, I've just gone... I just want all that God says. I don't believe the apostles once they received and the disciples once they received the the baptism of the Holy Spirit were like, let's all get the spiritual gifts tests out now and see what you've got. Oh, you're an evangelist. You can go tell people about Jesus. No, everyone who was filled with the Spirit was filled for a reason and it was to tell the world to be a witness of Jesus. So we're going to look at this, a prophetic partnership This is what the Lord is calling us to as the church. We're going to look in Ezekiel chapter 37, if you have your Bibles. Ezekiel chapter 37. And this is a little bit of context, is that Israel, in their history and in their journey, are quite broken. Even though they know the Lord to a degree, they are still walking in brokenness. The kingdom of Israel is divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And also because of their sin and their rebellion and their brokenness, the Lord, um, the, the enemies have actually invaded Israel and Israel, people, the Jews are dispersed all into these other nations. And so the future and the hope of Israel looks quite dim. The, their own people can't get together. They're, they're divided people in and of themselves, let alone the, the, the invading nations who have dispersed them throughout. So It's quite a hopeless situation if you think about it. And God has raised up a prophet by the name of Ezekiel. And this is what we're going to see in Ezekiel 37. It says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. Could we all agree together this morning that a valley of dry bones, when there's very many that are very dry, is quite a hopeless situation. 
I don't think you would see this picture and be like, oh, wow, what a vision. What a prophetic word for my life. You're a valley of dry bones. Ezekiel sees this vision. There was very many and they were very dry. And then he being God said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I believe that same prophetic question is happening to us as believers in 2022. Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh Lord, God, you know. We're so religious, hey. Oh Lord, God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. I want you to underline that if you've got your Bible open or your phone open. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came in, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. I feel like I've come all the way from the dark state of New South Wales today, to ask you that question as a church and individually. Can these bones become living people again? Can people who are far from God, who are dead in sin, can they become living people again? If you know Jesus here today, my friend, God wants to partner with you to fulfill His mission in the world. I don't know about you, but that absolutely blows my mind that God wants to use our lives. Blows my mind. 18 years of following Him, I'm still like, who am I? Who am I? That you love me, you want to live in me, and you want to use my life? Who am I? Um, My in-laws just bought a property down in northern New South Wales at six acres. And uh, yesterday we were there and we are doing a little bit of work and I was cleaning up some dirt around these stairs. And as I'm cleaning this dirt into a wheelbarrow, my little foster girl says, Daddy, can I help you? I was like, in my head thinking, no, because you're going to make it harder for me. (laughs) And so she starts, as I'm cleaning up these stairs, she starts gathering these clumps of dirt and dropping dirt all over the areas that I've cleaned. And then she puts the littlest amount of dirt in the wheelbarrow. And she looks saying, Daddy, look, I'm helping. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you are. And I thought in that moment, I would get this done so much quicker if you weren't involved, to be honest. And in that moment, I felt the Lord speak and say, that's actually how I look at the world. (laughs) I would actually get it done a whole lot quicker if you weren't involved. But that's not my heart. My heart is to be a co-laborer with you and for you to be a co-laborer with me. 
Church, God wants to use our lives to reach people who are far from Him, who are dead in sin, who are going to hell for eternity, to come alive in Christ by the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see this all throughout Scripture. We see that there's this prophetic partnership that God's calling for His people. Isaiah chapter 6, if you read it at another time, the prophet Isaiah has this throne room encounter. And he says in there, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Like, what an encounter. Get ready. I believe some of these unusual miracles and encounters are going to take place here. And he sees these angels flying around the throne singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then an angel takes one of the coals from the altar and comes and touches the lips of Isaiah, signifying a prophetic picture of sin being forgiven and and being made clean and being made whole. And then Isaiah hears the Lord speak this out into the heavenly realm and says, Who will go for us? Who will go? He's asking the question, I'm looking for people to partner with me. And Isaiah puts his hand up and says, I'll go. Send me. But you first, if you're going to step into the mission of God, you've first got to have a revelation of who it is that is calling you into that mission. He's not just a little God, my friend. He's not just pasty white Jesus with long flowing blonde hair patting a little lamb. No, he's the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe has called you into partnership with Him. (laughs) I'm going to kick this pulpit over. I get so excited because I'm like, I just don't know how to contain that. He wants to use your life. You see in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Jesus, the Son of God, starts His earthly ministry and He walks along the Sea of Galilee and He sees these fishermen, uneducated fishermen in the eyes of the Jewish religious people. And he goes up to them and says, hey, follow me and I will teach you how to be fishers of men. This prophetic call, this prophetic partnership to come into this co-laboring journey with God to see people come alive in him for eternity. You see, Jesus say to his disciples before, uh, he's gone to the cross He's died for our sin. He's, he's, a, he's risen from the dead. He's about to ascend into heaven. And he says this to his disciples, which we celebrated last week on Pentecost Sunday. But he says, hey, Acts 1.8, but you will receive, but you will receive, but you will receive, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. What is the goal of the mission of the church? It's to tell the world about Jesus. It's to tell the world about Jesus. That's the mission. It's not to try and pretend like you've got it all together. It's not to just tell people you go and attend an amazing church on a Sunday. It's actually to tell the world about Jesus. That's the mission that God has on your life and my life. 
This is what Michael Koulianos, who's the pastor of Jesus Image Church in America, says. He says, the message of the missionary is not go, it's Jesus. The message of the great evangelist is not evangelize, it's Jesus. The triumphant message of revival is not revival, it's Jesus. The message of the prophet is not prophesy, it's Jesus. The message of the pastor is not how to build a big church, it's Jesus. He's the message. It's Him and He's worthy of all our praise, all our glory and all our partnership. You're called into this prophetic partnership, my friends. That word prophesy literally means this. It means to reveal the mind of Christ over people. To reveal the mind of God over people. So you've got to ask yourself the question, what is the mind of God for people? What's the mind of God? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but will have everlasting life. The mind of God for people is that they would spend eternity with Him. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.4 that God who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. The mind of God is that He wants His children to be in relationship with Him for eternity. That's His mind. And so when we come into this prophetic partnership, we're not prophesying some lofty thing. We're prophesying God loves you. And Jesus has died for you. And He wants you to come into relationship with Him. He's calling us into this mission, church. But there's so many of us who are hesitant about this mission. We're hesitant. Even as I'm speaking on this message, there's this voice inside of you being like, oh, mate, this is not you. This is not you. You're not called to this. Look at him. Look at his boldness. But no, that's not you. You're quiet. You're reserved. You're gentle. This isn't you. I want to say it is for you. It's for you and it's for me, and I'm here today to prophesy boldness over you. And at the end of this message, I want to lay hands on people and open up this altar and pray for the Spirit of God to touch us in power this morning. This is what Romans 10.13 says, the Apostle Paul, he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Even your boss that you don't like, and you've prayed some nasty prayers over. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. I want to say this this morning. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you need to know you are loved. There is a God who loved you so much. He created you in His image, but sin has broken this relationship with God. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. I don't care how long you've been coming to church. You've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, just like I have. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Death doesn't just mean dying at the end of this life. It means eternal separation from God. What we earn for our sin is to be cut off from God for eternity. But the good news of the gospel is God so loved the world. He so loved you and me in our sin that He sent His Son to die on the cross. And when Jesus was on that cross, the Father who is perfect and holy and righteous, who cannot be in the presence of sin, because He's holy and just, He has to judge sin. 
And in that moment, the judgment of God on sin was poured out on Jesus so that the judgment of God on sin wouldn't have to be poured out on you. If you don't know Jesus here this morning, my friend, I want to say this, call on the name of the Lord. And the promise of the Word of God is you will be saved. You will be saved. Paul goes on in verse 14 and says, How then will they call on Him whom they have not heard or believed? How are they to believe in Him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? You might go, thank goodness I'm not a preacher. (laughs) I'm off the hook. I'm not a preacher. That word preach is the same word proclaim. We are called to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Each and every person here has been called by God to proclaim the gospel, that Jesus is the Savior. How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I want to say this to us, our City Lights Church. Let's not be a people who are distracted with all the wrong things. We have one mission. One mission. It's not to try and point out that the government's the Antichrist. It's not to try and point out that Bill Gates is the Antichrist. It's not to actually look at other churches and say, oh, that, that church down the road is just so rigid. They're just, all they do is focus on deep teaching. They're so rigid. Or point out to another church, oh, that church is just so wacky. They're all just about the gifts of the Spirit and they're all barking like dogs, like crazy stuff's going down. That's not our job. Our job is to focus on what Jesus has called us to focus on. Because the reality is when God gets a grip of your life, you'll look in Scripture and go, oh, wow, Ezekiel's speaking to a valley of bones. That's pretty weird. Church, there is someone somewhere right now who is speaking to someone about Jesus right now. And that person who is dead in their sin is just about to come alive by the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. Right now that's happening. Somewhere in the earth, somewhere in Brisbane, someone is speaking to a valley of dry bones and saying, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says. He loves you. And he died for your sin. And he's calling you into an eternal relationship with him. I've realized when it comes to evangelism, God is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for available people. He's not looking for a people who have it all together. He's looking for a people who will say yes. Now we sung a song about that today. You can have my yes. He's looking for a people. So I'm going to finish just quickly on some practical ways of how do we step and how do we walk in this prophetic partnership. The first one is this. How we walk in this prophetic partnership is that we've got to understand the Holy Spirit is the master evangelist and He's setting you up. He's setting you up. And once you start to live your life with an understanding that the Spirit of God is setting me up for telling people about Jesus, your, your life for the mission of God will change. It says in Ezekiel 31, And the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out and asked me to prophesy. It wasn't Ezekiel going to the Lord and saying, Lord, we've got to do some work together. Bad situation with the nation of Israel. We've actually, I need to prophesy. No, it was actually the Spirit of God that came and got a hold of Ezekiel and said, come with me. I want you to partner with me. And when you realize that the Spirit of God is in your life and He's using you and He's setting you up, 
everything changes. A number of years ago, I was in America traveling around with a couple of friends and I was looking at different churches and ministries over there. It was a 12 uh, 12 day trip and I think we went to like seven different states and so many different flights and different time zones from the west coast to the east coast. I was One thing I know, I was so exhausted. I was so tired. Now another thing I learned in America, is there any Americans here? Oh come on, right, right down the back. In America, they cannot say the name Lachlan. I learned that. Now as a coffee addict, I mean a coffee lover, uh, <laughs> I would go to Starbucks because that's the only option really in America and I would order my coffee and every time you would order a coffee in America, they say, what name, sir? And I'd say Lachlan and they're like, Latch? And they'd write some crazy name on the Starbucks cup. I've got a photo here of the first name. Like, what does that even say? Locker? Luca? What is that? And so every time... I would say Lachlan, they wouldn't get it right. Now, I was flying from Charlotte Airport, North Carolina, to Seattle. And I'm really tired and I, I line up. And as I go to order my cappuccino, they say, what name, sir? And I'm like, they're like, what name, sir? I'm like, Todd. <laughs> like, All right, Todd. And they write Todd on the cup. And then I walk over and I wait on the side. And as I'm standing on the side, just so tired, they're like, cappuccino for Todd, cappuccino for Todd. And I'm just like, cappuccino for Todd. And I'm like, oh, I'm Todd. That's right. (laughs) I walk over. I'm like, I'm Todd. Thank you. And I grab this coffee. And then I took a photo of it because I'm like, Todd, that is the most random name. I've never used the fraudulent name Todd in my life. I've actually never been fraudulent. But as I... As I wrote this, I actually took this photo and I text my wife. I'm like, how crazy is this? I just was using this random name. She's like, wow, you need sleep. I'm like, I know. So then I get on the flight, buckle up. There's a guy who's sitting next to me. Now, I love to witness on airplanes because where are they going to go? They're going to jump out the window? Like, what are they going to do? And so I'm sitting there now. I was so tired on this five-hour flight. I ended up falling asleep for the first three hours without knowing. I was just like snoring, dribbling. And then out of nowhere, it's like the Spirit of God woke me up with this urgency, you have a mission. And as I sprung awake, I was like, and I quickly started this conversation with this guy next to me. And we're talking for a while and I eventually geared that conversation towards Jesus, the conversation of faith. I said, sir, do you have a faith? And he's like, oh, nah, no, I don't, I don't really believe in God. He says, uh, I said, oh, okay. And I said, he goes, but I do go to church sometimes at the little Presbyterian church near me. And I'm like, that's very cool that you still go to church. He goes, yeah, it's not that I believe in God. It's just these sweet old ladies that love me there. So that's why I go. I'm like, cool, weird, but awesome. And uh, anyway, we talk back and forth. And he eventually is like, do you have a faith? And I'm like, oh, yes, I do. And I'm like, I'm ready to share my testimony. And I'm like, man, I was lost in sin. And I was trying drugs and alcohol and relationships. Nothing satisfied me. And I'm thinking he's about to drop on his knees in this airplane and be like, Jesus. And I share my testimony. I look over and he's just like. And I'm like, yeah, and Jesus saved me. He's like. And he goes, anyway. Ah, oh, so sorry. Been talking for an hour and a half and I haven't even asked you your name. I'm like, oh no. 
I said, look, everyone doesn't really understand my name in America somehow. So how about you tell me your name first, then I'll tell you my name. And he's like, all right. My name's Todd. I'm like, what? You're, no way. I'm like, your name is not Todd. He's like, "Uh, yes, it is. My name is Todd. I'm like, that is the craziest thing ever. No, I don't believe you. He pulls out his license. He's like, my name's Todd. I'm like, this is crazy. My name's Lachlan. He's like, what? I'm like, don't worry about it. But because everyone can't understand the name Lachlan in America, I changed my name right then at Starbucks to Todd. And he's like, no, you didn't. I'm like, yes, I did. And I pulled out my phone. I said, look at my coffee cup. And he's like, (gasps) and he's staring at me. And he leans in, he goes, he sent you for me, didn't he? (laughs) And because I caught up that I was in this prophetic partnership with God, I was like, yes, he did, Todd. (laughs) And I've traveled all the way from America to find you. (laughs) And he's like, I can't believe this. This is the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. When you realize that the Holy Spirit is setting you up, you can step into these moments where it actually blows your mind as a believer. And this moment just led down this conversation of all his divorces and brokenness and the Spirit of God was getting a hold of him. By the end of it, we get off the plane, we go down to the baggage carousel. He's like, give me your email. Whenever I'm in Australia, I'm going to come to your church. He's like, I've got a rental car. Do you want to come with me to the city? I'm like, no, I don't, Todd. (laughs) I don't actually know you. When you understand that God doesn't flow through the most gifted or the most talented, He actually flows through the most available. And God wants to use your life to see someone, one of His children who is far from Him, come back into a relationship of knowing that He's real. And He loves them. And He's calling them. How are you going to walk in this prophetic partnership? It's understanding the Holy Spirit is actually the master evangelist. I am not good enough. To think of that whole scenario and be like, I think someone on the plane is going to be called Todd. I'm going to write Todd on the coffee cup. There's just not a chance. But when the Spirit of God, who knows the world beginning to end, is setting you up, you can have confidence. When I walk out of this place, when I go to my workplace or my school or my family that don't know Jesus tomorrow, I understand the Spirit of God is on my case and He's setting me up. I'm going to get the keys up if that's okay. I'm nearly done. How are you going to walk in this prophetic partnership? You've got, got to understand. The Holy Spirit is the master evangelist. He's not asking you to try and be God. He's God. He's just asking you to come into partnership with Him. When you have this view and you look through that lens, you will see, man, God is setting you up. Three weeks ago, I was lining up. I just filled my car up with petrol and I was lining up to pay for the petrol And the worker behind the counter was having this big, long conversation with the guy who was trying to pay for his petrol. Like this big, long catch-up. Like, how's things? How's your mum? And how's this? And I'm like, can you guys like do this another time? I'm thinking, I'm like, there's like 20 people starting to line up. I'm starting to get frustrated because I had a time schedule. And then out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit says, if he can't pay for his petrol, will you pay for it? I was like, oh, oh, Lord God, you know, like religious kind of response. Like, you know, bills are kind of tight right now. Like I would, but anyway, I'm all nervous all of a sudden thinking, oh, no, this guy can't pay for his petrol. 
pays for his petrol. Then he walks off. I'm like, next moment, this next girl walks to the front. If she can't pay for her petrol, will you pay for it? I'm like, oh, no. I thought it was the front guy. She's like, can I have a pack of Winnie Reds, please? And I'm like, I could pay for a pack of Winnie Reds, like (laughs) pack of smokes. Pays for that and she leaves. And then I'm the next one. So I'm like, thank goodness. Pay for my petrol. I say thank you. And I'm about to turn away and walk off. And this girl rushes behind me to the counter and says, can I borrow your phone, please? My phone's gone dead and I can't pay for my petrol. And I'm like, la, 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 la. She gets the phone, she walks off to the side and as she stands there, I'm like, (sighs) I walk over. I say, how I'm going to pay for your petrol today. She's like, what? You can't do that. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pay for your petrol. So we walk over to the worker behind the counter. I say, can I pay for this lady's petrol? And they're like, wow, that's really nice. I say, can I prepay it? They're like, no, she's got to fill up first and then you come and pay. I was in that moment, my ear tuned in. Holy Spirit, you're setting this up. You're setting this up because we're a little bit thick sometimes. We're a little bit slow. You're setting me up. So I clicked on. I'm like, okay. So as I walk out, I stand next to her. She's filling her car up. I said, hey, I need you to hear this. There's a reason why I paid for your petrol. You see, I'm a Christian and I'm filled with the presence of God. And the Holy Spirit was talking to me when that man was taking so long and saying, would you pay for someone's petrol today? I said, and then you rush up and this whole scenario unfolds. And I feel like this moment is set up for you to know that Jesus Christ loves you, my friend. He loves you. He's calling you into a relationship with Him. And she's like, oh my goodness. She's like, that's crazy that you would be saying that right now because I just broke up with my boyfriend and my life feels really hopeless. I said, He loves you. He died for our sin. You just need to receive His forgiveness and step into this relationship with Him. She's like, wow, I can't believe this. She's like, I've just come from a meeting in Brisbane where me and my friend are actually the stars on a Netflix film that's coming out that's going to reach 400 million people. And I said, my friend, you need to know that success will not satisfy you, but Jesus will. And I go in and I I stand there and I get to pray for her in the middle of this BP petrol station, all these people around, and I pray for her. And then I go in and pay for her petrol. You see, what I've realized with the mission of God, it's not my job to save someone. It's my job to serve someone. And the greatest way you can serve someone is by sowing the seed of the gospel because it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that carries the power for transformation. It's not your cool stories or your cool this or your cool that. It's Jesus. So if you're going to step into this mission, the first thing you've got to understand is that the Holy Spirit is actually setting you up. He's setting you up. The second thing is this. Sorry, I've gone a little bit over time. Is, is that okay? Second thing is this, is that God wants to do the impossible through your life. He wants to do the impossible through your life. It says in Ezekiel 37 verse 4, Again He said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I'll put sinews on you and flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you will know that I am the Lord. That is a hopeless, impossible situation that God's saying, I'm going to speak through you and you're going to see people come to life. He wants to do the impossible through your life. I want to ask this question. What would the impossible look like for you right now? 
in regards to the mission of God, what would the impossible look like? Maybe it's your parents who don't know Jesus. Maybe it's your husband or your wife who doesn't know. Maybe it's your children who are far from the Lord. Maybe it is your boss or your friend or your work colleague or your neighbor. What would the impossible situation look like for you? We've got to start to get a vision for the impossible. You've got to expect at City Lights Church that the unusual miracles are going to break forth in your life. You've got to get a vision. Now for me as a a person, I have a vision to see pro surfers come to the Lord. I started surfing when I was 12 years of age. And when I was 12 years of age, I started to be Coolangatta, um, Snapper Rocks, Kira, all that area. There's more pro surfers from that one region than anywhere else in the world. And God started to put this like desire to see pro surfers come to the Lord when I became a Christian. And I thought, I don't know any pro surfers. How am I going to see that happen? But God was planting the seeds to say, I want to do the impossible through your life. A few years ago, just after Father's Day, I was working on a message in my office. And as I'm sitting there, the Holy Spirit comes on me and He says, I want you to write a card to Joel Parkinson telling him he's an amazing father. Now, if you don't know, there should be a photo on the screen here. Joel Parkinson is a world champion surfer, was on the Pro Tour for about 20 years. And God all of a sudden says, I want you to write a card and I want you to give it to him in his letterbox of his house. Where I lived, I would ride around the neighborhood with my children and I actually saw Joel Parkinson lives in my neighborhood one day. And so God speaks this to me and says, I want you to write this letter. I'm like, whoa, this feels so strong. So I sit down and I write, dear Joel and Monica, who's his wife. My name's Lachlan. I live in Tweed. I actually live near you. I'm a pastor in Tweed Heads. And I just, I was sitting in my office and I just felt like I had to write this card and let you know that you're an amazing father. You see, honor makes a way. You're an amazing father. And as I was writing these words, I could just feel the Holy Spirit on it. And I I wrote, well done on, on raising an amazing family on the world stage of everything that's happened in your life. Well done. I said, I'm going to be praying for you. Uh, I pray that I see you in the surf and you invite me on a surf trip. I didn't write that, but anyway, we had some socks that we gave to all the dads in our church that year that said on them, raising legends. And I just got that card. And in that card, I said, and here's a pair of socks can just keep raising legends. And I drove around, felt like a real stalker. I'm going to be honest. So I drove around, put it in the letterbox, jumped in my car and I drove off. Didn't know anything more about what could happen. And a week later, I'm actually on a Saturday night finishing a message to preach the next day. And my, one of my staff members sends me a voicemail that Joel Parkinson actually leaves at the church. Do you want to hear it? Okay, only these guys can hear it. Does anyone else want to hear it? If we have that voicemail, we're going to play that quickly. You'll hear Joel actually start to get a bit emotional. It's Joel Parkinson here. I'm just going to say thank you so much for your letter Um, and the socks too. I actually just read the letter in front of my wife and kids and it was was very moving and I must say thank you. Um, Keep up the good work and I... I guess I'll do the same as well. <laughs> thank you. It was, it was quite, quite moving. I appreciate it, mate. And thank you so much. Bye. 
You see, the Holy Spirit's the master evangelist. He's setting you up because He wants to do the impossible through your life. It's not my job to save Joel Parkinson, but it is my job to serve him. And the greatest way I can serve him is by showing him the love of God and sharing the gospel with him. See, in that moment of sowing a seed, I didn't know what was going to come of it until about six months later, a friend who was in my church, who is actually a surf filmer, he films all these pro surfers, he messages me and says, hey, when a church, because it's in the middle of COVID, when a church service is going to come back? When a building's going to be open? Because Dean Morrison, now there's three of the probably most famous pro surfers from the Coolangatta region, Joel Parkinson, Mick Fanning and Dean Morrison, they're the trio. Says Dean Morrison's in a really bad way. His nickname's Dingo. Dingo's in a really bad way. I reckon a church service would help him. And I'm like, mate, don't wait for a church service. I said, if he's in a really bad way, I'll meet him right now. I said, pass me his number. So the next day I wake up and I feel that I've got to reach out to Dingo. And I send a message and I say, this is who I am. I said, if you ever need to talk, I'm open. I'm actually at this cafe right now. And I get this instant text reply saying, I'll meet you in 15 minutes. All of a sudden, I'm nervous because I've looked at these guys on the world stage ever since I was 12. And I was like, (sighs) heart started beating. I'm like trying to sit and find a cool position in the cafe to wait for him to turn up. I'm thinking, what do I do? Just be friends with him. Just be a friend. You know, maybe you can get in his world and then eventually you can tell him about Jesus. And as I'm having these thoughts, the Holy Spirit speaks as clear as anything and says, I didn't set this up just so you can be friends with him. I set it up so you can tell him about me. And in that moment, this boldness comes over my life and Dingo walks into the cafe and he sits down. I said, hey, mate, nice to meet you. Tell me your story. He was on the verge of suicide, had a messy relational breakup, has a son He was broken, had tried everything. He was on the verge of suicide. And I just said this, Dingo, you need to listen to me right now. No amount of fame, no amount of success, no amount of money, no amount of relationships will ever satisfy this void in your life. It's only God. Jesus loves you, my friend. He died for your sin and He wants an eternal relationship. You can receive that forgiveness and step into that right now. Had a bit more of a conversation. I said, if you ever need to talk to me anymore, you you let me know. You have my number. A week later, my phone rings at eight o'clock one night and it says Dingo on there. Talk to him. He's broken. By the end of that conversation, he says, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And right there on the phone, I was able to lead Dean Morrison to the Lord. And he ends up joining our church, being a part of our home groups. And a couple of months after knowing Jesus, there's a photo here. I get to baptize Dean Morrison in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I share these stories to say, church, we need to lift our eyes. We need to lift our vision and we need to realize that God wants to do the impossible through your life. It might not be Dean Morrison. It might be your neighbor. It might be someone at the cafe. As soon as you leave this service today, God wants to do the impossible through your life. And you might sit here and say, but I've tried And I've tried and I haven't seen any fruit. I haven't seen the miracles that you've seen, Locke. I want to say this, do not give up. Keep scattering the seed. Keep sowing, keep loving, keep serving, keep speaking, keep proclaiming, keep prophesying, church. Keep speaking the name of Jesus 
Because it's partnering with the Spirit of God to realize He's setting you up to do the impossible. And that's what we see in verse 10. So I prophesied as He commanded me, and breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. That is God's vision for the world. That is God's vision for your life as a believer. Would you stand with me right now all across this place? All across this place right now. Just close your eyes. If you know Jesus, if you believe in Jesus right now, I just want you to hold your hands out or up or whatever it is. Posture your heart to receive from Him right now. The Holy Spirit wants to bring people to life right now. He wants to fill you with a fresh baptism of fire. He wants to break off the fear of man off our lives so that we will not fear what people would think, but we will fear only the Lord and we will speak only His message to the world. Right now, Holy Spirit, I am thanking You for these amazing people. And God, we cry out and we say, Yes, Lord. We say yes. Come on, pray with me right now. Stir your heart. Stir your faith. It's a partnership. It's a partnership. God wants to bring you to life right now. Jesus, we say yes. We say yes. Fill us with boldness, Holy Spirit. Come on, say that right now. Fill me with boldness, God. Fill me with boldness, God. Just like in the book of Acts chapter 4, after they were put on trial before the religious leaders and the first thing they do is come and have a prayer meeting and say, fill us with boldness that we may preach the Gospel. Fill us with boldness, Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank You for what You're doing in this church. In Jesus' Name, I say yes. Holy Spirit, I say yes, pour out right now. Just like on Pentecost Sunday, pour out a fresh wind of the Spirit right now. Break off fear in the Name of Jesus. Break off intimidation right now in the Name of Jesus. The fire of God filling us right now. Phil, you need to know the fire of God wants to get a hold of your life, my man. He has called you and positioned you for such a time as this. Right now, Holy Spirit, I thank You, Lord, for the fire of God touching him right now, Lord. Birth that fire in him, Lord. Birth it, visions and dreams. Lord, I thank You, Lord. He is going to see amazing miracles break forth in people's lives in Jesus' mighty name. Just keep your eyes closed right now. I just want to give an opportunity for anyone who does not know Jesus. You've never said yes to a relationship with Him. If that's you right now, today, my friend, you have heard the Gospel. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We will be separated from God for eternity, but He loves us so much. He died for our sin so that we could step into an eternal relationship with Him. Once you know Jesus, you will know the fullness of joy. You will know life and purpose like it was always meant to be. So right now with Christians who are praying for you, I want to ask you this question. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Not do you just know the church, but do you know Jesus? If you don't right now, this is your moment. The Son of God bled and died on that cross so that you could be saved for eternity. He's been calling you His whole life, my friend. Right now in this presence, in this atmosphere, while people are praying for you, if you do not know Jesus and today you say, Lachlan, I want to say yes to Jesus. 
I just want you to raise your hand nice and high right now. All across this room, if you don't know Jesus and today the Spirit of God is speaking to you and you want to say, yes, I want to step into this relationship. Just raise your hand just so I know who you are. I'm going to pray a prayer with you right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for your spirit moving, Lord. Baptize them in power right now. Baptize them in boldness right now in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Awesome. Why don't don't we give it up for uh, Pastor Locke? Uh, Through our online giving and up the back, we're going to take up an offering for him. And uh, just to thank him and to bless him in his ministry. What we're going to do right now, uh, we do realize we've gone a little bit over. We're going to open the altar. We're also going to open up for food at the back. And I want to encourage you uh, just to to make a, a little extra space. We believe that the anointing of God is released through the laying on of hands. And so I want to encourage you, uh, just come to the front. And uh, we want to pray for you. We believe that as a church, one of the key things that God has called us to do as a church is to see hundreds of people come to faith who currently don't know Jesus now and to see them saved and discipled. I couldn't think of anything more eternally significant than that. And so I just want to thank Pastor Locke for what he's released into us. And uh, we're just going to allow some space for him just to uh, pray for people and lay hands on people. So the altar's open. And uh, other than that, we'll see you next week. God bless. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.